0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Shitty Book Reports, where the reports are shitty, but the books are not. I'm Trevor. I'm here with Mark. How are you feeling today, Mark?
1: I feel like Hemingway because I, I got a six toed cat now, just like I talked about. How you feeling?
0: Whoa, six toes. Um, didn't you get two cats? Yes. That's you're on your way to Hemingway, my friend. <laughs>
1: Only one of them is a Hemingway cat. But, one cat
0: uh, leads to another.
1: Yeah. I, I can already tell, though, that the Hemingway cat's going to be a great re- reading buddy. He's yeah. definitely. Down with just hanging out next yeah, Ar- to you or on your lap.
0: Arca is mostly a TV buddy. Not
1: as much of a read.
0: I don't know <laughs> if she's
1: ever done reading
0: buddy. She's mostly a TV and film buff.
1: Does she watch? Does she look at the TV at all? No, but she <laughs> feels the vibes. Just like the noise. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. So today we decided to do kind of like an older game first and last out, right? Yeah, I wanted
1: to bring it back. It's. It's that's the game where we just pick a random book or maybe the book that we're covering or, you know, something we've already covered and just read the first sentence and then the last sentence and see what we're left with, you know, kind of um, uh, compressing it compressing a little it. bit. <laughs> see if it makes sense or reflects the overall story.
0: Or the I, think so. I think it might be possible that some authors throughout history have thought of this because sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really stupid.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I was going to kick it off with um, a fancy one here. I wanted to see, so when you have like a book that's not really a book because it's a bunch of books and it's mm-hmm. like a uh, something like Remembrance of Things Past with, with Proust, I wanted to yep. see what that even looked like. And what I found out is that most of the time, uh, let's say, okay. Uh, so part one, Swan's Way Works. It works, I think. Yes. I'll read it here. First sentence is For a long time, I used to go to bed early. Mm-hmm. Last sentence is None of them was ever more than a thin slice held between the contiguous impressions that composed our life at that time. Remembrance of a particular form is but regret for a particular moment. And houses, roads, avenues are as fugitive, alas, as the years yeah one so of the that, most that fits
0: yeah it definitely fits it's like feels very dreamy
1: yeah that definitely fits uh fits what he's going for but and then I, I looked the at ending
0: that has most blown my mind
1: yeah i uh still need to get there but so part two within a budding grove mm-hmm. does not work way too <laughs> insanely long it's like it's like Almost right. a full page for the first and last sentences. It's right, way so too he, big.
0: Yeah, that's what he's famous for.
1: So that theme, I would guess, it fits. As far as the first and the last are similar, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read them right now.
0: It maybe just if, work
1: for this game. Maybe we should you should do first last of the entire uh, Proust epic. I'll get to that. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm working my way. So part three. Uh, How do you pronounce this? The the Germonts or the Germonts way? I don't know. Germontes, Germonts. Germonts. But so first sentence: the twittering of the birds at daybreak sounded insipid to Francois. Mm. And then the last sentence: "You'll live to bury us all." Damn, nice. (laughs) So it was insipid. It was uh, something was going on. What does insipid mean? Don't don't do that. The dictionary definition. I gotta. I gotta check. <laughs> Lacking flavor. Okay. Lacking flavor. Lacking vigor or interest. All right. I was gonna uh, get a little bit off on that one. Part four: Cities of the Plain does not work either. Way too long. So it's Way like every uh, every other one. <laughs>
0: every other <laughs> one. He like decided that. to go
1: deep. <laughs> Uh, part five, the captive first sentence at daybreak, my face still turned to the wall. And for I had seen above the big inner curtains, what tone of the first streak of light assumed I could already tell what sort of day it was. Hmm. And then the last sentence is a quote. Ah, very good. You did quite right. Not to wake me. Leave me now for a little. I shall ring for you presently. So (laughs) not, that doesn't really make any sense, but I guess it all takes place within a a room by like the (laughs) bed or something. Part six, uh, breaking the theme of every other one being way too long. First sentence, Mademoiselle Albertine has gone. And then last sentence, and let me tell you that childish caprice is not the thing for which I blame myself most. Hmm, That works a little bit. Yeah. So then if we're gonna do the whole thing, all seven wrapped up in an envelope, uh, it starts out for a long time. I used to go to bed early. And then, so the last sentence of the past recaptured part seven is I would therein describe men, even should that give them the semblance of monstrous creatures as occupying in time, a place far more considerable than the so restricted one. A lot of them in space, a place on the contrary, extending boundlessly since giant like reaching far back into the years they touched simultaneously epochs of their lives with countless intervening days between, so widely separated from one another in time. Doesn't quite work, but... (laughs) Doesn't quite work. Interesting. We had to test it. It's an experiment.
0: And by the time I'm finished with all seven of them, which is a lifetime experiment, I hope I forget that last sentence. (laughs) Because the last sentence of Swan's Way is a little Murakami-esque in the sense that, like, it's very culminating in the last few words sure
1: yeah it's the uh grand finale
0: let me do some first and last and i bet you you'll guess what the first book is
1: okay yeah let's,
0: okay my let's first sen- first sentence of a pre- of a book that i'm holding and also by the way i did not realize that you own all of Proust.
1: uh i actually bought like uh two two volume set right? two volume set yeah exactly Nice, uh, Some vintage ones off eBay.
0: Moncrief translation.
1: Uh, let's see. It probably is, if it's vintage off eBay. Uh, it's from Random House. I don't know, man. All right, start reading yours and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> so the first sentence of this
0: book is, The terror, which would not end for another 28 years if it ever did end began so far as I know or can tell with a boat made from a sheet of newspaper floating down a gutter swollen with rain. Any guesses to what book cool. that is?
1: Is that the first and the last?
0: No this is that's just the first. All
1: right I need the last though.
0: okay and then the last is or so Bill Denbro sometimes thinks on those early mornings after dreaming when he almost remembers his childhood and the friends with whom he shared it.
1: 28 years of terror
0: let me read the first and last again because that actually <laughs> okay.
1: it actually does make a lot
0: of sense okay. the, te- the terror which would not end for another 28 years if it ever did end began so far as I know or can tell with a boat made from a sheet of newspaper floating down a gutter swollen with rain last sentence or so been Bo- Bill Denbro sometimes thinks on those early mornings after dreaming when he almost remembers his childhood and the friends with whom he shared it I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Dude, 20, a boot a boat, years a terror. a boat made from a sheet of newspaper floating down a gutter swollen with grain you don't know uh, what that is it? No, I gotta hear it oh okay <laughs> the like the thing like floats down and then like he sees the clown in the, gotcha. in the sewer or whatever uh, I'll do another first and last Rapid. I'm tired still I don't know <laughs> yeah I should have known that uh actually but that's written it's easy not to think about the newspaper it's easier to think about the terror
1: i think king probably does uh try and and do a beginning and end like that Hmm. actually let me try i i have one here let's uh I, i actually picked one out of the random ones let's see it's another king i gotta find the first and the last Oh, that's so uh, that's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> what the it? first sentence, Jack Torrance thought, officious little prick. And then Wendy sat down on Danny's other side, and the three of them sat at the end of the dock in the afternoon sun. The end. You say it's so easy, but I don't know it. Jack Torrance is uh uh the shining. Oh uh, okay. Yeah, and then Danny. Danny. He like it, the the first and the last names all three main characters, <laughs> which is that's that makes it pretty easy for this game. But all right, all right for
0: this book that I'm holding in my hand, uh, first sentence: My mother died today. Last sentence: So that it might be finished, so that I might feel less alone. I could only hope there would be many, many spectators on the day of my execution, and that they would greet me with cries of hatred. Okay.
1: That 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 works. That it works. works as like it fits the theme.
0: It's the theme. It is the yeah. theme. This is uh, the Stranger by Camus. Okay. Also, sometimes titled The Outsider, of which I am holding in my hand. All yeah, right, I got one? one
1: here. Yes, this is a book that you uh, said that you read at some point. Okay. May in a Yemen is a hot brooding month. Last sentence, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. May in what? In Minyemyev? A Yemenem. A Yemenem? Yes. What the fuck? Is it like some fantasy book or something? <laughs> See, sometimes it doesn't give you any context clues. The last sentence is just the word tomorrow. Tomorrow? So this is, it. This is the, the god of small things.
0: Ah, oh, the god of small things. Yes. I found uh, yeah. it.
1: Arundhati Roy. Yeah. So that was that was not easy. All
0: right. All right. First, this is my final first and last. I only brought three books.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: first is America does not repel the past or what it has produced under its forms or amid other politics or the idea of caste or the old religions. <laughs> and the last sentence is: Sure, as the stars return again after they merge in the light, death is great as life.
1: Okay. Don't, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I mean that? there's nothing, there's no way to But uh Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. okay. Famous American nature bro. Yeah. And actually, uh am I going first or are you going first? We don't we never know.
1: Uh I don't know, but I've got a ton more. Oh, okay, good. I got some quick hitters. Okay. All right, here's our uh our boy here. On a refreshing brisk. Beautifully fall, clear fall evening, Amos Decker was surrounded by dead bodies. Damn. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> That's, <great. laughs> That's awesome. For a lot of reasons.
0: <laughs>
1: That's our boy Baldacci.
0: Ooh, Baldacci. Oh, you have, yeah that also is revealing to me that you have a physical Baldacci.
1: do? Yeah, I bought it at the the book sale for uh, like 50 cents.
0: Actually, I have one of those little, um, my neighborhood has one of those like tiny libraries or whatever.
1: Oh, we have a bunch of those popping up. Yeah.
0: And there's a Baldacci in mine. (laughs) I've been been thinking about snagging it, but, you know, I got to give a book to get a book. So I don't know what I can bring myself to exchange for a Baldacci.
1: (laughs) Another Baldacci. It's only fair. Uh, So I got another one here. This is, this is a uh, uh, monster hardcover, like uh, let's see how many pages, 630 pages. Hmm. Oh wow. Okay. This kind of gives you some clues. That was when I saw the pendulum. Okay. And then it's so beautiful. <laughs> That's perfect. Doesn't give you any
0: clues, pendulum?
1: Well, pendulum is in the name of the book.
0: Oh, Foucault's pendulum.
1: Yeah by umberto echo so mm-hmm. that was when i saw the pendulum it's so mm-hmm. beautiful so that's a beautiful pendulum uh here's another one this is a, a small little paperback not long ago there lived in london a young married couple of dalmatian dogs named pongo and mrs pongo
0: 101 Dalmatians.
1: For in front of every one of the many seats, there had been a little carpet-eared, puppy-sized dog bed. Yeah, you got it. Hundred one yeah, Dalmatians. Hundred one Dalmatians. It's like a children's Dodie, book. Dodie Smith. Let's see. Here's Was a. Was that a one. thing before the movie? Oh yeah, hmm. this is an. It's an older book. Interesting. She also wrote uh, "I Captured the Castle," which I have either covered before or talked about, but maybe I'll cover that someday. It's a good one. This might not make sense. Uh, okay, yeah, this has no an <laughs> Uh Hi, my name is John Lennon. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and as John says, A is for parrot, which we can plainly see. I don't that's know. Great, that's Grapefruit by Yoko Ono. Ooh. A Book of Instruction and Drawings. Interesting. And then... Alright, two more. This one's serious, the other one's not. Oh god, I'm, nope. Nope. <laughs> You're just refusing to
0: read that first sentence? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? Naked Lunch or something?
1: Mm. <laughs> no i'll tell you later i'll tell you <laughs> offline uh okay the first first part hobbs says woo this must be the biggest hill in the state and then at the end hobbs also says yawn keep the shade down when you go okay
0: mm, that's pretty good that's like your calvin and hobbs omnibus
1: that's yukon ho by calvin hobbs hmm I mean by Bill Watterson. <laughs> <laughs> by Calvin. By Calvin and Hobbes themselves. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, if you're if you're writing a book right now. Make sure, you sure pay the person and the last sentence they gotta go are, together. Uh, a neat little bow. Yeah. If they don't, you're garbage. Yeah, we're gonna base all our reviews on that from now on. <laughs>
0: This book changed my life, but the first and last sentence is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So am am I going first or are you going first? Uh, You can go. And also to our readers, we're wondering if you're hearing a little bit of echo in my microphone.
1: I'm not hearing it anymore.
0: Okay. Well, I have two microphones going simultaneously because one of them is hosting the podcast. So we'll see. The proof is will be in the pudding, but I'll do first and last of my book and you won't be able to guess it, but we'll see if it works anyway. Okay. We were in mourning for my mother who had died in the autumn and I spent all that winter alone in the country with Katya and Sonia. And the last sentence... Bit of a paragraph of a sentence, but that day ended the romance of our marriage. The old feeling became a precious, irrevocable remembrance, but a new feeling of love for my children and the father of my children laid the foundation of a new life and a quite different happiness. And that life and happiness have lasted to the present time. That's a happy ending. It is a happy ending. It's a happy ending in one sentence, but let me get in, go into it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just another Russian novel. It is. Yeah. Katya. Uh, Katya. Yeah.
0: Katya and Sonia. Okay. So someone, there's an author that I like, you know, that I've kind of gotten it. It's like, it starts with Dostoevsky, like getting into Russian authors, then like catapulting into the future to like Solzhenitsyn and Sholokhov and stuff. But there's obviously a gap in my resume. Who is the most famous Russian writer or one of
1: uh, Tolstoy or how, Tolstoy. how far back?
0: Yeah, no, you got it right. Tolstoy. Okay. If if you say Russian writer, people are either going to say Dostoevsky if they're cool or Tolstoy if they're cool, but not as cool. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've never really read much Tolstoy. I haven't read War and Peace because it's like too much of a beast. Right. And then I haven't read Anna Karenina pretty much for the same reason. And so for keeping with our new formula, I think I have I think I'm getting out over some guilt about the new formula because I did read something in its entirety. I'm still reading the Dragon Bone Chair, which is the fantasy novel that I started, you know, last last episode in our new format, but I wanted to bring something more complete than just saying, like, I read another chapter of Dragon Ball Chair or another like <laughs> section of it. It's a fantasy novel. And the only way to like talk about it is to just like talk about the plot. So I decided to like barrel forward with a short story by Tolstoy and a short story by Tolstoy ends up being a novella that I read in one night last night. Um, so I powered through probably like two and a half hours and read this 83 page story called Family Happiness. Okay, Um, I guess I can say it's the first kind of like complete Tolstoy thing that I've read. Uh, I think I I think I have a flavor of him. I'm pretty sure that this is like an early um, story of his and it was pretty good. It was it was kind of like um, deeply psychological in the sense that like, you know how I've talked about how like Balzac before is like there's no mystery there's nothing mm-hmm. that, and actually it was interesting. I started talking about this story with my, with Daria. And she was saying like, like a writer, like Tolstoy there, there's nothing for you to figure out. There's no like gaps that the reader fills in with their own personality. It's just like, I will tell It's you. just, yeah, it's just yeah. the
1: experience. Yeah. I will tell it's you everything the, that's happening. Yeah. There's no mystery. <laughs> and
0: the story family happiness is, but I actually think it's kind of early on, like, so War and Peace is 1869. Anna Karenina is 1878. And this is 1859. So 10 years before War and Peace and only a little bit after his first novel. And I think the introduction to my I have a short story collection. And I think it said that he wasn't even like actually married when he writes this story about marriage. But, you know, people kind of still give him the accolades cuz it's like oh he's like so good at assuming other people's psychology and stuff like that um so the story is of this young girl Masha who her both of her parents have passed away her mother recently passed away it doesn't go into detail about that and there's another guy Sergey who is a guy who like manages their land and she's kind of just eerily awaiting him to kind of come and give them a report like on the estate and like this is what you can and can't do like is business okay like blah 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 all that stuff mm-hmm. which seems very alien to us right like first of all like nothing in this story ever has anything to do about money like it's just like oh mom and dad are dead but this is what's happening and when sergei comes along of course everything is like fine and they're just rich or whatever but slowly the story develops into Something that's a little bit hard to accept in our modern times, but it's like, so Sergey is 36 years old. Masha is 17 years old and they begin like a romance mm-hmm. and the politics, like the kind of like social politics behind it it does like kind of echo throughout the age in the sense that the issue of their age difference is actually like part of the story and is not ignored. So it's not one of these stories where it's like, I'm 36, you're 17 and everything is normal. Like it's not one of those that kind of glosses over it. It's actually that like the central theme of the story is that there's like this massive age difference. So she grows up with this guy as like a semi father father, figure he was like one of her father's like associates or whatever so it in this like season of like the parents are gone now what are we going to do he has more cause to visit like the main house or whatever and what he he like she basically. First of all, it's told from a first person perspective from the f- female protagonist, like thing. So it's like Tolstoy writing as as like inside the head of a seventeen year old girl. So like for some people in like twenty twenty two, it's already canceled, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I knew. I yeah, I, I knew that it was from her perspective based on the first and last year you did.
0: Right. Yeah. The first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like that perspective um but what basically what the story is about is like a development her kind of maturation and social development of coming to like have feelings for this guy but then also like she's acknowledging like he has this like kind of like patronizing you know it's like it's like kind of like in the past our relationship was oh i'll pat you on the head and say you're like a cute little girl and now we're moving into like her first like love romance kind Mm -hmm. of thing um so it's her kind of like hitching her But what's that term, like, hitching your wagon to his star or whatever? Something like that? But, like, she's riding on the coattails of his (laughs) supposed maturity. Okay. And of course like the course like leads forward that they fall in love and uh there's some really good passages of like basically like finding yourself and like becoming more mature and like kind of grappling with the idea like because at first he's not into it really he's like basically kind of shuns the idea because of their age difference and also like his role in her life or whatever, but then blah, 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 things go forward. And eventually it's like, Oh, we will, we did fall in love, like romantic things happened and now we're going to be married. And that's kind of part one. And then part two is that she starts to, they get like the opportunity to go to St. Petersburg, which at the time is like the center of kind of like culture, you know, like Mm -hmm. art and culture and everything. And as like a country Girl, she gets exposed for the first time to like what they say it call in the story like society. Like they basically go to like balls and dinners, and she's the new young hot thing. That's like wow, like your husband is so successful, you're a rich young lady, I'm meeting princesses and dukes and all those other things, and everyone's all excited about it. And obviously, she goes through like a period of like materialism where she's like, oh, that like old country life that we had. Is like she's blinded, like basically like there is no relevance to what was. Mm -hmm. And now I am this way. And obviously that like creates a rift in their relationship and they kind of start drifting apart. And it's like, how could it ever be that like I was so enamored and so in love with this person. And now these feelings are sort of like fluctuating, you know, basically going through the stages of a relationship within like 80 pages. And then the final part of the story is her kind of like coming down off of the high of that life. And, you know, Oh, you don't love me anymore. Like we're so distant now, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes through yet another change. So it's like this first change of maturity, the second change of materialism and the third change of like giving up the materialism and kind of like acknowledging that maybe that's not what life is about. Um, when I say it, it is kind of interesting, like one of the conversations that Sergey and Masha have towards the end of the story is she's like, you know, has all these conflicting emotions. Why do you treat me this way? Like, why are you like this? Blah, blah, blah. I miss the materialism of society, but I miss like being in love with you. And he does have like this good like kind of thing conversation with her where he's like we married when I was 36 and you were 17. So we married when I already knew that that materialistic life is like not worth it. And she's, and she's like, well, stages. Yeah. And she's like, well, why did you like, like basically what you're saying to me right now is like, you tortured me. And like, you just let me like live through something that's horrible. And he was like, because you won't, no one will listen. If you sit down and say that life isn't worth it, then you'll rebel and like want it more. He's like, so basically he's like, you had to experience that that life is like kind of shitty. And now that you like fully know that we can like move past it, you know, like, like I had already known that, but you didn't know that here's like, this is like one of the initial problems of why I was like resisting kind of like being with you. And then of course, at this point there are like two or three children in and she's like, Oh yeah. Like blah, blah, blah. Now the, the, The patronizing, the funny thing about the story is that he's pretty good at kind of delving deep into people's psychologies and like these like conflicting things. But as I said, like in that last sentence, it's like a little bit more revealing that the author himself does have like a soft spot in his heart for like the patriarchy basically. Cause it's like, she goes through all these machinate, like these up and down things like, Oh, like there was a point where all I did was kiss my son goodbye and give him to the nanny because I was too busy clubbing essentially. And then, and then, you know, Oh, I'm coming more back down to earth. But the thing that feels like really like patronizing and, and that's, and I'll read it again. It is the last sentence of like, Basically she just says, but I have a new feeling of love for my children and the father of my children laid the foundation of a new life and quite different happiness. That life and happiness has lasted to the present time. So to me, you know, me, Trevor giving advice to Tolstoy the writer would be like, it would be like a little bit more interesting if that there was like an inkling that this fluctuation in emotion is going to happen again. You know, like it's unavoidable. Yeah. You know, like mothers, you know, go through times where they, you know, it's like anybody you can be cemented in a, in your most, like a job that you love for 10 years. And then on that 10th year, you go through this thing where it's like, well, maybe this isn't what I really love. And like, blah, blah, blah. Like the same thing happens with parenthood, with motherhood, like whatever, And it could be, like, slightly more interesting if he was less definitive about it in the end. Um, And that was something that I talked with Daria about as well, that it's, like, interesting that he puts forth this idea that, like, yeah, there's this period and that period and whatever. But really, at the end, like, all women just are, like, there to be, like, fall in love with being mothers. And that is the end (laughs) of of everything. a very old opinion yeah and 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 uh you know Dario was saying too that like that this and it was in the introduction to this book as well that some of these sketches including this one called family happiness is like this is a character that's in war and peace and it goes and it goes to even uh, more extreme like in war and peace it's like she also like gets fat in war and peace and is like you know like i you know this is the fulfillment of like what a woman like the ideal woman like you know just gains a bunch of weight and loves living with her children and stuff like that like it's like more kind of like patronizing yeah um so there's definitely that element to it and looking back in the past it's like uh you know it it's not as clear cut but I would say to, like, redeem him a little bit in our modern eyes is that there is, like, a lot of cool stuff in there, especially psychologically. And I wanted to read a passage that was my favorite passage that is um, on one of the nights when they aren't together yet. Sergei and Masha are not together yet, but they're kind of, like, on the path, so to speak, of being there. And I thought it was just, like, a really well-written passage. So imagine twilight kind of like like a magic hour kind of situation the sun is setting and you're in your beautiful gardens of your russian estate okay Mm -hmm. so they're walking they go for a walk like after dinner uh i'll start from here as if that would prevent me from uh, never mind i'm not going to start there We were walking along an avenue, and it seemed to me, whenever I looked ahead, that we could go no farther in the same direction, that the world of the possible ended there, and that the whole scene must remain fixed forever in its beauty. But we still moved on, and this magic wall kept parting to let us in, and still we found the familiar garden with trees and paths and withered leaves, and we were really walking along the paths, treading on patches of light and shade, and with a withered leaf And a withered leaf was really crackling under my foot and a live twig brushing my face. And that was really he walking steadily and slowly at my side and carefully supporting my arm. And that was really Katya walking beside us with her creaking shoes. And that must be the moon in the sky shining down on us through the motionless branches. But at each step, this magic wall closed up again behind us and in front. And I ceased to believe in the possibility of advancing further. I ceased to believe in the reality of it all. And I just thought that was, like, a really good kind of, like, passage of, like, oh, like, this perfect moment is, like, you're moving in, like, a windless bubble of, like, yeah, like, that, like, that person is really there, like, walking with me. And I'm really here, like, in my ideal. And, like, this is, like, the reality bubble that's here, like, only for us um and there's good writing like that kind of like throughout uh with the way that people feel and think and you know all these different like fickle thoughts and jealousies and you know blah 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 and honestly another thing that i was like i like i said i read this all in one night last night uh like 83 pages took me like two hours and i am gonna stick by what flashed through my head even though it's like a silly thing and people would make fun of me but while i was reading this and thinking about when I was thinking, when I was reading this and thinking about the balls and like the materialism of it all versus the reality of it all and stuff like that. I honestly, honest to God, I was like, this is not too dissimilar from like a season of like Sex and the City or something. <laughs> yeah. Where, where it's like, like in Sex and the, in the story City. arc. Yeah, like the story art, like in Sex and the City, it's like Carrie, she's like this writer who like she gets like exposed to high society, high fashion, like clothes and stuff like that. But it's usually all like comes like tumbling down, like towards what life should or should not be in quotes, you know? And when Masha was like running around throughout the story, like, oh, I'm so like dramatic. Like, I, like, do I love my children? Do I not love my children? Like my husband, my blah, 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 whatever. Like all this stuff. I was like, I feel like I'm reading sex in the city.
1: (laughs) Um, Just a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whirlwind kind of thing. And uh, yeah. And it honestly, there was, yeah. A lot of it was drama. There's like another like small section where it's like, there's like this Italian marquis who looks j- just like my husband, but more handsome <laughs> and like, okay. Like we kissed on the cheek. Oh my God. Like what's going to happen? Like all this like kind of drama. Um, so yeah. And I would say, you know, was it bad? It obviously wasn't bad if I read a whole novella in one night. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would look forward to reading more Tolstoy, but I do think that, in, on like the ledger of history thus far, I'm gonna stick to the idea that like Dostoevsky is like the true badass and Tolstoy is the more traditional, like I will tell you about the world. And doesn't that make sense too? I mean, wouldn't you rather, like if I told you about two different people, one who was like a Lord in his estate, writing his stately thoughts versus like Dostoevsky who was like a gambling addict. <laughs> like yeah. which one would you want to read oh i already know yeah <laughs> exactly so you know i don't. You just can't escape these things but um i do have a one star i wanted to keep it brief too because of our new kind of episode format i'm still reading the dragon bone chair uh but i read this novella really quick and uh, i have a one-star review from john off john hoff john hoff of uh john hoff Jonathan, Jonathan Hoff. Hoff, John Hoff, John Hoff. He wrote a one-star review of Family Happiness. says, well done character psychology, but patronizing treatment of female characters. Yes, I would agree with you, John Hoff.
1: But I don't know if I agree with the one star. Gotcha. Just the just the timeline of what you're saying. This book came out in the 18. Or this novella was 1850s.
0: 1859.
1: So 1860s. Gotcha. It just it's weird to think about like uh the the you know the american civil war going on and Mm. i wonder like how much of it came to russia as far as the news like (laughs) they're just hearing about it in real time like i wonder if a russian author wrote about it maybe they do like historical fiction like this is what i think is going to happen like in real time (laughs) yeah it would be
0: fun to find some sort of like speculative fiction about like like I imagine some Russian or any other nationality author writing about like the South is going to win.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny. Exactly. So yeah, sounds good. It's it's always I I, I do that move a lot too, where like uh, a novella or something, just one in once one sitting, just uh, yeah, you know, power through it. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But it sounds like you're more on the good side. For this one
0: i'm on the good side i think it's there i think it's just kind of like undeniably there that this guy was like a workhorse like author that was like really kind of like putting ideas to paper that were interesting but it's also just like it's all through the lens of history and that like dostoevsky is cooler is just like always going to be unavoidable but you know it's one of those undeniable like was this guy not working hard? The answer is he was working hard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, nice. So, I under this new format I started Butcher's Crossing last uh, last time we talked. Yep. And I finished it last night. Nice. Yeah, it's in uh I know, golf clap for me, but <laughs> I so, so just a refresher. This is Butcher's Crossing from J- John Williams from mm-hmm. uh, nineteen sixty, and it's a western, but it's not really a western. Uh, but it's about Will Will Andrews, the Harvard boy who. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember now. Harvard boy. junior. Yep. Junior year of uh, college, uh, and I need to check if he actually listened to a lecture by Ralph Waldo Emerson himself. Mm-hmm. He was at Harvard at the same time, uh, because this takes place in 1873. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, you know, he hears the nature philosophy lecture and it's so impactful on him. And he has the re you know, <laughs> it's funny, like, like you say, you, you're talking about like, uh, only rich people were able to write at a certain mm-hmm. time in history, mm-hmm. and it's also true that only rich people or people well off were able to do the sort of self-discovery type stuff. And I mean, that's true to this day too. Like, yeah, no.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go live in like a van. It's so fun. Yeah. Why don't, why don't (laughs) you do
1: this? Yeah. um. So it's so impactful on him that he leaves, he leaves uh, the Northeast to go West ends up in, you know, butchers crossing Colorado to go find his unadulterated self. So he, he recalls something from his, uh, from his father telling him that you know this guy mcdonald you know this guy that i met out west like he was the only person i ever saw who like made it you know out out of just the the nothingness (laughs) of the wild west where you you know you set your roots wherever uh so this guy was a you know a buffalo hide uh trader basically Mm -hmm. so he decides to you know go meet him and he's like hey i i want to I want to do a buffalo hunt, and I'm going to pay for it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's basically paying he's he's paying the way for this like experience that he wants. But there's also like you know if it works out well, he he would make money on it. But you know, trading selling these uh, uh buffalo skins for a couple bucks a pop mm-hmm. back in the day. So they uh he yeah so he's funding this trip. He sets off with with four guys, uh, Miller. Miller is the the hunter, like the trapper that um, is going to, you know, lead the ex- expedition. Uh, which really confused me. Like, so the book is called Butcher's Crossing, and there's a movie from the Coen Brothers called Miller's, Miller's Crossing. Crossing, and the guy's and, name is Miller. Yeah, so I kept making that like connection in my <laughs> head. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm I'm sure I'll call it Miller's Crossing at some point during this book during this uh, book report. But anyways, so Miller's, Miller's the uh the hunter, you got Andrews the college boy, you got Charlie Hogue who's kind of just there to to help out and be like uh he's just an he's an older guy so he helps with like cooking stuff and mm-hmm. he doesn't do a lot of the the uh, dirty work. And then um you got Schneider who is complaining the whole way through but he's like he's like the best uh Skinner of, of the bunch, like he, he knows his way around the Buffalo mm-hmm. hide and all that. And so he's being paid to, uh, to be there, but he's complaining all the time. So they're you know, they set out from the start and they're all, you know, let's follow Miller's directions here. And he, he's leading them where he, you know, he's, he's fully confident, like, oh, this is the way we're going to go. We're going to save some time. And meanwhile, they're just running really low on water. And so they uh, go through this whole kind of conservation of water and Schneider's like bitching the whole time. And they keep having to trust Miller, even though it's starting to look like they're going to die out there. (laughs) Uh, But the attention to detail is really cool at that point. They, as, as far as describing the, you know, the scenery and the stuff that's going on in Andrew's head where he's like, yeah, he's like, you know dying of like thirst is <laughs> it's <laughs> it's really uh emerson-esque like <laughs> wow <laughs> you know not really that in so many words but you can he's eh. like he's like wow i'm starting to feel numb like per- person like as a person that's cool <laughs> like
2: mm-hmm.
1: wow <laughs> i'm losing myself in this um so they get lost but eventually you know they, they find water then they find the they find this valley without like a th- thousand or more buffalo, a couple thousand buffalo.
0: It's like the and, only thing um, that's
1: missing is that he'd like
0: suggest that they do an ayahuasca trip or something. Yeah. <laughs> for,
1: for sure. Uh they do have some whiskey, but they like they um they never like get drunk or anything. It's not that sort of thing, but it's they have a barrel of whiskey with them and a barrel of dried beans and all their provisions. It's it's very Oregon Trail. Um so then, you know, they set out for the hunt and Miller is just, there, there's a whole section of the book where Miller is just mechanically just shooting Buffalo after Buffalo, like, and he's not, you know, not spooking the herd basically. Mm-hmm. So it's just fish in a barrel for him. Um, And, you know, that, uh, th- then it moves to, you know, they're skinning the animals they, they have to go through that, like very, uh, mechanically as well, because of like the rigor mortis and you know dealing with uh you know they have to do it in a certain amount of time and everything, mm-hmm. and it has like a dreamlike quality to it. It's it's very I I, I find it hard to distinguish between like because when people talk about this book a lot, they they talk about it's like brutal and gruesome and uh, visceral because of these specific sections of the book where they're hunting and killing Mm -hmm. and culling and you know uh, skinning the animals and the entrails and the hide and you know cutting around the testicles and stuff (laughs) like of the buffalo and like I find it hard to decipher between what is like visceral literature and what is like literally just like a field a field guide description, like a straight up description of like this is right. what you do, you know. Well,
0: that's like the that's like the whole Moby Dick problem,
1: right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that that's what this has, in, it definitely has in common that with Moby Dick. And I, I mm-hmm. read some reviews too, where Moby Dick was mentioned for that reason. And uh, personally, I I think his writing shown through it, but there were sections where I'm just like, this is this is straight up from a field guide, like, you know, he's describing it very well, you know, <laughs> but it's right. also, it's like instructions basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, you know, you break away to like what Andrews is feeling at the time. And like, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So he's like really slow at first and he, he ruins some, uh, some, some heights and he's like mad at himself for not being, you know, he being like a soft
2: mm-hmm. college
1: boy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but but I it, it's definitely enjoyable, but also it's brutal at the same time. Hmm. And so Miller, Miller's just, you know, he's, he's got dollar signs in his eyes at this point. He's like, wow, I've never seen, you know, I've never seen this many buffalo once. And he's just foregoing sleep and stuff and just being very methodical about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's meant to, this was meant to be like a short trip. But here's where it kind of turns, like, Miller turns into a possessed individual. He wants to shoot the entire herd, pretty much. And he keeps saying, like, you know, one more week, one more week, like, we can, you know, we'll be able to do this. And, you know, Schneider's complaining the whole time. And Andrews is starting to just lose himself in this. So he's he's kind of getting what he's after, but it's, you know, not as fulfilling as he wanted it to be. He's just, you know, working day and night and they're they're just eating buffalo meat <laughs> day after day and, you know, they're taking bites out of, like, the raw livers just to fight off scurvy, you know, <laughs> mm. basically. Tasty. Um, yeah. Uh, but so they end up delaying, you know, set, they end up delaying far enough that they get, you know, it starts to snow and... They're like, oh shit, (laughs) you know, we're in the Rockies and it's starting to snow. So there's like 12 feet of snow uh, and they're just, they're like, okay, we, we're going to die if we leave. So we literally have to stay here and, you know, just cover ourselves in these buffalo hides and they end up being snowed in for eight months. (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) And this, this, this whole long winter. They, they time it so poorly, like they start in fall and they, um, so it's, you know, it's all butchers fault. He gets, uh, cause he's so obsessed, but, and then, so I'll, I'll read a section from, from this specific part where they're just, they're just, is <laughs> all... isn't
0: even eight months long.
1: <laughs> they're all just fighting through it. You know, their own horror of just, they, you know, they, you can't leave you know you're gonna die if you leave and are they in they like have... a cabin uh no i mean they they have they have a uh wagon they have a covered wagon but they they bill also build some lean twos and you know they have like uh oxen uh mm-hmm. that are carrot like pulling the, the cart to keep alive and you know horses too and, and that sort of thing so they they there's they have no chance if they leave they had to like set up camp pretty much But the whole time, they're also working their way through these uh, buffalo hides at the same time. So
2: cool.
1: I'll read this part from the middle of the book. He came to accept the silence he lived in and tried to find a meaning in it. One by one, he viewed the men who shared that silence with him. He saw Charlie Hogue sipping his hot, thin mixture of coffee and watered whiskey, warding off the bitter edge of cold that pressed against him at all times, even as he hunched over a blazing fire and saw his blurred, roomy eyes fixed upon the ruined pages of his Bible, as if desperately trying to keep those eyes from looking beyond into the white waste of snow that diminished him. He saw Fred Schneider withdraw into himself, away from his fellows, as if his his lone sullen presence were the only defense he had against the great cold whiteness all around. Schneider tramped brutally through the snow, throwing as wide and rough a swath as his feet could make, through the thin slits in the narrow buffalo skin that he wore almost constantly tied over his eyes. He looked at the snow, Andrews thought, as if it were something alive, as if it were something against which he was waiting to spring, biding his time. He had taken to wearing again the small pistol that Andrews had first noticed back at Butcher's Crossing. Sometimes when he muttered and mumbled to himself, his hand would creep up to his pistol. As for Miller, Andrews always paused when he thought of the shape that he wished Miller to take. He saw Miller rough and dark and shaggy against the whiteness of the snow, like a distant fir tree. He was distinct from the landscape, and yet an inevitable part of it. In the mornings, he watched Miller go into the deep forest, and he always had the feeling that Miller did not so much go out of his sight as merged and become so intrinsic to the landscape that he could no longer be seen. He was unable to view himself. Again, as if he were a stranger, he thought of himself as he had been a few months before at Butcher's Crossing looking westward from the river at the land he was now in. What had he thought then? What had he been? How had he felt? He thought of himself now as a vague shape that did nothing, that had no identity. Hmm. So not exactly the uh, the Emerson ideal. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, you know, they're all going very, a little bit stir-crazy, and they're working their way through this long winter. And uh, I'll just... I'm just going to spoil the rest of the book like sure. i'd recommend reading it anyways it's good <laughs> but so they <laughs> they they get through the winter and they finally head back home with all these buffalo skins and and you know they they leave have to leave a bunch behind because they can only carry so much they weren't anticipating mm-hmm. to find this many and happens then in, happens in if you overhunt an oregon trail Exactly, and I'm going back to Oregon Trail too because do you remember? I think the end of Oregon Trail is when you have to cross the river. Mm-hmm. Yes, it it's is. The, it's like the final thing. Yes, then that's literally what happens in this book. He ha- they have to cross the river, and then they, a final destination happens, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Damn, <laughs> like a a, a log, a, a loose log ends up you know, being rushed down the river, like, you know, it's pretty big. Uh, So it's basically, it basically hits the horse that Schneider is riding on as they're in the middle of the river. God. And it hits the, uh, it hits the covered wagon too. Mm -hmm. And like their whole haul just gets, thrown down the river and lost. And the guy and Schneider ends up dying and the horse he's on dies. And what about Williams? Uh, uh The rest of them survive. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they make it across. So just the horses. complainer dies. Yeah. He ends up dying. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> he gets, he gets final destination by uh by a log. Wow. So they lose everything. And, you know, so it's all for nothing. They return to the town to find it completely different. It's, basically abandoned and there's a bunch of new people, you know, all the people they've only been gone eight months and you know everyone everyone assumed they were dead and uh but then they 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 make it to uh McDonald who was actually the guy who was gonna pay them for the hides and he's Mm -hmm. like oh uh oh didn't you guys know Buffalo hides like they're worthless now (laughs) like (laughs) the whole the the bottom fell out of the entire market sweet and he talks about he's like yeah you remember when everyone wanted a uh a raccoon hat, a raccoon (laughs) hat with the tail on it. Uh, Remember like those were hot for a minute and now like everyone, you know, the market was saturated and now they're worth nothing. Right. He's like, yep, same deal for Buffalo. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So Miller, Miller just goes crazy. He can't take like every, you know, he, he, he had these, this big dream of selling all these and all the work they did for eight months, just grueling. Uh, you know hunting and skinning and curing and all that stuff he just can't take it and and Andrews is still kind of numbly detached and this this association he he comes out of it as like a different person than his his idealistic youth is gone, but he also didn't find what he was after
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um so it it starts out as like this self-discovery sort of thing. And then what he ends up discovering is that, oh, well, you know, everyone there's there's nothing. This wasn't it. <laughs> I, and then he ends up uh just he just ends up heading off west in in to uh we, we don't know where, but he's like, All right, uh let's try something else. <laughs> <laughs> let's go hunt raccoons. Yeah. But uh, but Miller ends up going crazy and uh, kind of taking out. He he he's very mad at McDonald for not you know paying him, not being able to pay him even for the stuff that he uh, left behind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a very well written book. John Williams is very skilled, mm-hmm. very skilled author, and uh, it really makes me want to read. He's got another book called Augustine, which is, you know, er, anytime there's like a, there's like a prolific author someone who's highly regarded, like there's, there's three or four different masterpieces, depending on who you talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I've heard a lot of people called Augustine. It's either Augustine or Augustus. I'm not sure. Um, That is, is the real masterpiece out of the other smaller masterpieces, but. Always,
0: always the next. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you've read Stoner. That's so cute.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I would say I like Stoner more, which is surprising to me, even because I'm like, I am a big Western guy, like Mm -hmm. my favorite movie. My favorite movie still is Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Uh, And I I do like Westerns and, you know, Warlock is an awesome book, too. And
0: Yeah. in the Wikipedia of Butcher's Crossing, it talks about Warlock basically saying like, this like like Busher's Crossing, Blood Meridian, and Warlock were like a new kind of like generation of like realistic
1: westerns. Yeah, that's true. Um, but but what I'll what I'll say about this it is interesting because, like like I said, they 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 come to the town and it's completely different, and that's because of like what time it was. It was eighteen seventy four now. Mm-hmm. Like you've got this sweeping change on the wild West. like it's no longer it's no longer that that wild West. It's right on the edge of this uh, historical changes with like the expansion of the railroad and uh, what well, I mean, historically the wiping out of the buffalo population for the railroad, like
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that was a that was a thing. people were you know paid to to basically call the herd and but you know it was right before these guys went on <laughs> there buffalo so they totally missed out on that and actually
0: now that i'm now that i mentioned that oh blood meridian warlock it's like i mean obviously wikipedia is just written by the internet but it's funny that like so butchers crossing is 1960 warlock by oakley hall which you've also 50, covered right? is 58 yeah. And then, but Blood Meridian is 85, so it's like, yeah, get yeah. the fuck out of here, Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> Jump out of the bandwagon,
1: yeah. Don't he? I know he can't <laughs> take credit for that, the, the, the new western, even though no. people try to give it to him, but yeah. Uh, I liked it. I would like to, um, I think he, I prefer Stoner to mm-hmm. this book, is what I'll say. Um, I think. I think the college campus and like the, the like professor's study of like, of, uh, of Stoner, it, it lends itself better to his style of like the introspective writing. Hmm. I think that scenery is, is more introspective, even though like he, he is very good at describing the scenery, like the, the landscape of this book. And, um, I don't know. Kudos to him.
0: Kudos to John Williams. Yeah. Not only a great author, but a great composer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I was actually listening to the radio yesterday while driving and, uh, you know, one of the lower end stations. So close to the close to NPR, one of those stations that plays like classical music. Mm -hmm. They uh, they were doing like a John Williams uh, retrospective because he is about to turn 90 in like a couple days. Damn. And uh, I didn't know that he wrote the Olympic theme. The one that you hear in every commercial. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote it for the 1984 Olympics in L.A.
0: It's
1: Olympics, so. It's everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah, thanks, everybody. It's been another episode of Shitty Book Reports can find us on spotify soundcloud stitcher itunes instagram and twitter uh spr the podcast all one word and you can email us at SBR the podcast at gmail.com send us your first and last sentence of your of your work in progress <laughs> yeah and make it good let's, yeah let's hear it